welcome into another special edition of Cyberly Hits the Road, where during the entire month of August, me, your host, Blythe Bramley, owner of Digital Dispatch, is hitting the road to different conferences and events in order to bring those in-person conversations from a digital space into an in-person space. And so if you've caught the last couple of episodes during the month of August, you've probably seen me over at the Ignite conference. We're continuing the discussion with our next guest, who is Sandy Bosk. He is the owner of Advanced Technology Solutions, and he's been in the industry for a while, around the industry at least. His father was a truck driver since he was a little kid. He got started very early on as a developer working for other companies. Uh, now he helps other companies make those difficult technology decisions as more and more tech enters the space. So it's a challenge that he is going after, but he breaks it all down during our discussion here. And then he also is going to touch on a little bit about the youth programs that he is involved with in the New York, New Jersey area, where he is helping the youth understand difficult supply chain problems that are going on in the world, especially when it comes to vaccine distribution. He's a content creator, and he thought, what better way in order to get the message out about these difficult supply chain challenges than to just interview the folks who are in charge of it? So he's done that, and we, and we break all that down in this first episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Sandy as much as I did. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly Hits the Road. My name is Blythe Brumley, owner of Digital Dispatch and host of Cyberly. I am joined today by Sandy Vosk, who is the president and CEO of Advantage Technology Solutions. And you were just talking about how you're a developer. Can you give us a little bit of background of, of your company and, and, and what you do? Well, uh, I was a developer. <laughs> so, you know, I like to say I, I was born into the supply chain industry because my father was a truck driver. So I, I usually begin with that. But I was really uh, a developer, not coming out of college. I started uh, really, in, believe it or not, in uh, child welfare. Spent four and a half years working in child welfare before I decided to make a change. And because I had a strong background in analytical, technical kind of, I just said, I'm going to do this. It was uh, The world was growing in technology. And I left Columbia University, where I was going for my master's in social work, to go to NYU School of Continuing Ed. You didn't even need a bachelor's degree. And I learned how to become a developer. Wow. So we were talking about, you know, uh, backup and redundancy. Yes. And so, you know, you said the worst thing is doing something like this and then realize <laughs> you, did, you, you, know, you didn't get it. Well, I said it was worse when you did all of this code and didn't hit the save button. And so very, very similar. Uh, yeah. I mean, luckily, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, stop gaps, maybe people, you know, uh, websites and, and things like that, or even, you know, Microsoft Word, all of these different programs that do the auto save now, because I'm sure that they heard from a lot of people, a lot of frustrated people that when you lose work that you have been working on for hours, it is a nightmare. It's your life is over in that moment. It's true. It really <laughs> is. You go, oh, my God, <laughs> that that moment you realize it is the worst. <laughs> So, so tell us, um, so, so what, what kind of services does your company provide? So I spent um, uh, half or more, yeah, about a little over half of my career working in the corporate world. And the foundation, and I was as a developer, was with PepsiCo. Hmm. And with Pepsi, I was developing software to track the sales and promotion of the products that they sold through their franchises. And it was just, a, Pepsi was a Fortune 50 company. Uh, way ahead of their uh, time in terms of using handhelds and just route management hmm. and loading trucks. It was a tremendous company. But over the years, I was always looking to grow and where were things going and how do I, you know, match my skills. And to make a long story short, 18 years ago, I formed my own company, Advantage Technology Solutions, and we focus on manufacturing, distribution, and logistics companies, helping them make better decisions in technology and not just on buying it, but implementing it so they get mm. the business benefits they're seeking. I love that you mentioned that because we're here at, at Ignite, but hosted by PCS Software, and it's a technology logistics conference. It's the first one back. H how does it sort of feel like being back live with other you know, people in real life at a conference again? You know, I have to be frank. You know, I had some anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, about coming. And, you know, at first it was like, great. I can't wait just to be back. And then, of course, you know, you, you listen to the news and it makes you uncertain, right? But 
it's just such a good feeling. The hotel, you know, we've done a tremendous job and as well as everybody that's facilitated it. And there's nothing like being together. You know, I'm a mobile warrior, you know, like George Carlin said, a modern <laughs> man. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing like being with people. The energy flows between people when they're together differently than virtually. Absolutely. I, I've been doing this show since March of this year. And, and the night and day difference between having a conversation with somebody over like a, a I guess, a, a Zoom call on steroids versus in person is just dramatically different. You can't control a lot of the settings that are around you. And I think that that sort of speaks to, to everyday life. But it really is the conversation just flows so much better when you're in person. And so so being at this conference, you, you've you moderated panels, you're, you're, you're speaking during it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, those takeaways, because by the time this airs, you, you'll, you'll essentially be done as far as like teaching. So, so tell us about the topics that, that you're speaking on here today so, or this week. I'll start with that. Thank you. Um, and it was really a thrill. And, and I was really very honored when uh, Tony Vidiello, you know, asked me to present. And um, and the topic was supply chain digitization, which is, you know, a hot topic. And, you know, so one of the things that I'm really proud of is I'm president of CSCMP's New York, New Jersey Roundtable. Oh, For those no. that don't know, that's Council Supply Chain Management Professionals. And Tony's uh, on the board with me in marketing. So, you know, we've had a good relationship. But to be able, you know, to present. Um, and what I did was, which is just amazing, and you know from FreightWaves the value of CSCMP, um, used their research. You know, I went online and just got some tremendous new research, which I used in my own presentation to help companies realize, like, what's driving them today? Hmm. What's driving you outside customers? What pressures are you feeling to improve your technology? And what obstacles are, are you facing uh, that are preventing you? Hmm. And, you know, most companies have it, whether it's money, whether it's people having the right resources, uh, whatever it may be. And then I spoke about what Advantage Technology Solutions does and just really gave a roadmap of how to move forward in this climate of uncertainty. More un where there's nothing that's steady underneath us. It's more volatile than ever. But, you know, you, we have to move forward. You can't stay... It's not safe to stay in your, your one place. It's Absolutely. So, so let's dive into a little bit of those uh, technology advancements because it, it feels like there's so much that's been coming into the space over the last few years. Get, walk us through what uh, some of those common challenges that you're facing. What, what kind of companies are, are you working with that, that are facing these issues of, of what to buy and, and how to fit it into their, their tech stack? It comes from all angles. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, I'll, I'll start from the positive. I always like to begin with the positive. And it's amazing how manufacturing is rebounding in America. We mm -hmm. went through outsourcing everything, not everything, but a lot. Damn near to everything. Asia, <laughs> right? Because it was cheaper. And, but now it's not just about near sourcing. And it was like, maybe, you know, we should lessen our cost by let's move some of it to Mexico. Mm -hmm. But now it's about, you know, resourcing in America. And it's not merely because of finances, it's because of past investment. And our companies are ready for it to uh, utilize technology and compete. And this is going to be fueled by the infrastructure bill, even more so. So manufacturing companies, uh, distribution companies are have been swaying trying to uh, evolve into a, an omni-channel world hmm. where they only sold to retail and now we're providing services to their website and we're selling directly. And they don't have the technical internal talent to really... I have a challenge to keep up. Hmm. One of the reasons I come to a conference like this is to learn. So how could somebody who's they're totally devoted to what they do keep up with all the technological advances. Right. It's very challenging, I think, for a lot of these companies because they're just focused on survival mode and they're not focused on growth mode just yet. At least, you know, some of the, the luckier ones can be focused on growth while some of these other ones are just just treading water and in, in trying to survive the, the storm. It looks like, you know, we're kind of coming out of it, um, but there's still an incredible amount of difficulty. Um, you, you mentioned the the infrastructure bill that, that was uh, just recently passed, I believe. Are there What's any it's still, in it's still it's still in discussion. Are, are there any key components within that infrastructure bill that you, that you think are really going to help some of these manufacturers? You know, um, 
all of it is going to help, you know, in the U.S. in terms of investing in infrastructure. The one thing, it's really not even being spoken about uh, much, but I'm a people person. I'm very sensitive to people, and I really lead with the people component. It's not about managing technology. It's about managing change, hmm. and change begins with the people that work in the company. And so one of the facets of this that I think is really critical is improving broadband without the, throughout the United States. When I heard it was bad enough to deal with all the issues of the pandemic, but poor people were trying to work from home and didn't have a connection, have to sit outside a Starbucks in a parking lot or something like that to connect. This is just, it's not that even fair. There's no reason for it. We should right. be investing uh, in America to enable everyone from wherever they are, anytime, anywhere to have that kind of connectivity that they need. And I, and I think that's um, with solutions like uh, like Elon Musk's uh, Starlink system, which is trying to provide that internet service to rural, rural areas. But even then, like it, it, like you said, in, in the cities, there, there's people that that have to go to a Starbucks or go to some other location in order to get a decent Wi-Fi signal. Uh, it, it's one of those things that it, it, this was this should have been invested in years ago. And a lot of these big ISPs just chose they they got a lot of money from the government, and then they chose not to invest in the things that, that they got the money for. And so now we're dealing with this massive influx of people who are doing everything online and they're not, they, they're not equipped in order to handle it. And even from a, you know, a, a parent situation where they have to, to help their kids while they're also trying to work, it's just creating the, these extra obstacles that uh, it's, it's difficult to see where, where the pathway is for moves forward. Because even with the Starlink situation, it's it's almost like 400 bucks, I think, just to get the mini satellite that sits in your house or, or sits outside. I, I don't know too many people that that, you know, would would take up on that offer unless you have the funds in order to be able to purchase something right. like that. And, and, and now, you know, whether it's PCS or any of the uh, software providers where everything's on the cloud, everything's about connecting to the Internet. And so, you know, I've been using a line for years. Actually, I came to me from uh, when I ran a 7x24, 365 organization mm -hmm. that you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm -hmm. You could do everything right, but whatever that weakest link is could destroy everything. And in this case, it's connectivity. Mm -hmm. We could have all this great opportunity, but if you don't have ample connectivity in your business or your warehouse or for your drivers, to connect and communicate, then the ability to share information real time is gone. Right. And so I, another one of the the hot topics that you were discussing that you were a moderator on, and I, I caught this panel and it was really fascinating. It's about sustainability. Uh, can you give us some key takeaways of, of, of what you got from that conversation? First of all, it's just amazing. And again, why, why come to conferences? Because you get blown away by what you don't know is going on. Right. And so... Uh, just with Detmar Logistics and what they're doing with electronic vehicles today. And they just posted this morning that they're adding 300 more. So this is amazing to me that, you know, companies are not, you know, while companies, we just came from a session where someone said they ordered a Tesla truck and they have no idea when it will <laughs> arrive. But they're also, this is reality, right? Mm -hmm. There's some that's future, but there's some real business uh, utilization right now in 2021 that's amazing and can be modeled. And, you know, if they're getting success, then it could drive success elsewhere. So that was one. The second, and this is really uh, key to me, uh, and I think last year is really demonstrated, not just in the United States, but globally, uh, it's about people and, you know, paying attention to people. Uh, and that's really important in overall sustainability from a consumer perspective. How are companies treating their people? And is there diversity, equity, inclusion, all of that? This is not just a nice to have. Hmm. This is now becoming more and more important in the buy decision, which makes you know companies more uh, uh, focused on it, hmm. and they know they have to deal with it. And the other piece of this is really uh, managing your uh, the companies you work with, your suppliers, and you know what are they doing because consumers are paying more and more and more attention to it. So, and again, the infrastructure bill and, and climate is now becoming more focused uh, from a national perspective. So I think these are, these are forces in motion that will continue. And I think those are really positive. And it's all, it almost goes back to the central theme that you, you have to adapt to survive, especially with not, not just on the people side of things, but the technology side of things. 
So, so true. But it, as it is, it, it's not. So you know why I say that? Because technology is not always the answer. Hmm. And, you know, I don't believe in technology. For, I love technology, but it's not for technology, technology's sake. It's, it has to, it's a tool. And only if it's utilized correctly do you gain benefits from it, like any tool. So it's really about applying technology in a business, how and where one gets the greatest benefits. And why I said that is that, you know, there are third-party logistics companies out there that are still, you know, they're bringing corrugated pallets and they don't see the need for even barcoding. And if they could manage and they have strong enough processes and they're making money because people continue to fill their warehouses, they're not as motivated to improve their technology. But if you're in e-commerce, if you're in fulfillment, if you're, you know, uh, dealing with not just uh, pallets, but cases and eaches and the return of those, which is a whole separate. Nobody in this conference yet has talked about reverse logistics and the secondary market, which, in my opinion, is going to really take everything that we've just talked about tenfold. Right. Because what's the what's the point in, in offering e-commerce solutions if you don't have a good reverse logistics plan? And that's a really good point. I, I think that that's something that isn't being talked about enough. How are you helping companies with their with the decision of what kind of technology to to purchase or or to invest in? Because it, it seems like it, you you hit the nail on the head with with processes. If somebody is stuck in their ways as far as their processes are concerned, but maybe they see a, a room for improvement in in certain areas, how are you approaching that conversation in, in order to to advise them on on, on what tech to even add to their tech stack? It's such a great question. So, you know, I, I always begin with, you know, where are you? So what I like to do is, is start with the executives. And, you know, if I get engaged in a project with a company, we, what I usually do is help them document their requirements. Mm -hmm. And whether it's for software or automation, um, this is no longer just a financial decision or an IT decision. It has to be a cross-functional decision. And so all of the parties that are impacted operations customer service but sales and marketing every person in that company that's involved needs to be involved in the decisions from looking at the vendors to the final uh, decision on that and that's really the most critical thing and out of that once you have a clear understanding of where you are and what you're seeking then you could start looking at vendors that may match that hmm. and you start looking at how well they match that and and so you, you brought up marketing, which is uh, which I could talk all day about. And 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 you're also what I I loved about your profile is that you're also a podcaster. You you started creating content. Can you tell tell us a little bit about why you wanted to start creating content and and what you've learned so far? Wow, that's such a great <laughs> question. So first of all, you know, sometimes it's just karma, right? And <laughs> things just happen and. Uh, and so I had followed a colleague from my Pepsi days and uh, he started uh, doing some digital content. And because of the pandemic, you know, I, I decided to do a, a series on the impacts of the vaccine and really look at it from a supply chain perspective. Because I, what I said to myself was, this is the greatest supply chain challenge in history. Distributing these vaccines are the greatest supply chain challenge in history. And not only is just that in and of itself going on. But the technologies that are fueling that, think about the sensor technology, what we're doing to keep, you know, the, the Pfizer, Moderna uh, vaccines, you know, at the proper temperature, that's now going to transfer to the whole food industry. And that's about to evolve in a, just a magical way globally hmm. and totally change how food is distributed around the world. So I did a 12-part series on it and really looked to use it as how do you take a lesson from, you know, uh, uh, managing capacity, uh, distribution, technology, and applied it to day-to-day -day business and supply chain? So companies and executives could look at, okay, this is what's going on, and that there's a lesson here that I could utilize and, and learn. So I felt really good about it and got some tremendous feedback on it. And what were some of those lessons that, that you learned that companies should, should be taking advantage of after studying the, the vaccine distribution plan? So, so there's so many lessons, <laughs> you know, just think about one of the things that I really talked about yesterday. Such a great question. Thank you for asking that. 
it is about, you know, I didn't think this was a good plan. We had Operation Warp Speed. And I spoke yesterday that failing to plan is planning to fail. And Operation Warp Speed was about, you know, uh, getting the vaccines and storing the vaccines, but not distributing the vaccines. It had nothing to do with distributing the vaccines to the states, to the cities, to the people. Mm -hmm. And that was the hole in the plan that the Biden administration, you know, uh, inherited. And so that's such a valuable lesson about planning and thinking through mile. planning. It, they didn't plan last for the mile. last mile. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then it was about, you know, OK, going back to my you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, think about the challenges people had in just uh, using systems that aren't good to begin with in hospitals, et cetera, to uh, register and, you know, get an appointment for a vaccine. Those systems were broken. They're horrible. You know, voicemail messages oh, call, call back tomorrow. So really valuable in terms of, you know, how do your customers try to connect to you? Uh, demand planning, right? Uh, did we have enough? Do we have too much? Hmm. What do you do with it? What happens if you have too many vaccines and they have a shelf life of so many days? You certainly don't want to waste them. You need to be monitoring, tracking the uh, FIFO, first one in, first one out, or in this case, FIFO. First expiration date, first one needs mm. to be out. That, that's a, such a good point, because I remember early on when, when the vaccine was first being released, it, people were clamoring to get it and they would be just be waiting in a parking lot, just hoping that there would be extras that would be given out that day. And even though you weren't part of the uh, part of the original rollout plan, which is the, the, the elderly and the vulnerable, then you could just sit in the parking lot and you could just hope that they would have extras left over because I, I thought that that was a, a fascinating sort of look into the human psyche of, of where these failures were happening and, and the demand of people waiting in just in a parking lot to see just by chance if there were going to be some extras available. Absolutely true. And, and one thing I, I was thinking of as you were just saying this, I just mentioned in the last session, which was a phenomenal session about where technology is going and AI and machine learning. I said to really get the maximum benefits, it can't just be an internal focus. There has to be collaboration mm -hmm. because that's really where the maximum benefit is. And so even that I used, you know, when you looked at the collaboration between FedEx and UPS, splitting the nation, East Coast, West Coast, we'll handle this side, you handle that side. And to be able to do that, you know, for Pfizer was just phenomenal. You know, companies working together to get it done. And I just traditional really competitors that. too. That I mean, you you would have never thought that uh, competitors like that heated competitors, which there's a fantastic podcast series, uh, Business Wars, that covers their history and how they they started. So it, I thought that that was even more. You brought up a great point with them two working together after they have had heated competition over the last you know sort of few decades, which I think is what was kind of cool to watch. Switching gears a little bit. What are a few things that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago? Hmm, that's a that's a tough question. I have to think about it. Because I know you it, mentioned collaboration. I think I that, think the that's challenge the right ones. now. The challenge right now is, I believe companies, because they're being challenged, want to make quick decisions, and you know, there was something and it, there's a there's a school of thought that says, you know, fail fast, fail cheap. Hmm. And if you're trying certain things and you have the depth and breadth and money in an organization, if you're a Phillips Electronics, God bless you. you know? But there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that are struggling. They don't have enough people. You know, they're shipping containers of five times to ship something from Asia as it was the previous year. So they, they, they want to make rash decisions. And it's tough to slow them down or uh, how, do you, how do you engage them in a way where they slow down enough to make a quality decision? Because making a bad decision on a transportation management software, warehouse management software, ERP, it's not just costly. It could be catastrophic to a company today. Wow. And it's not just the money. It's the, the diversion of the staff mm. and then the frustration that it didn't work. If you put customers on the system and now it's not working and you have to back off, you know, so emotionally, mostly to the customers, if there's impact to the customers, then you're really in trouble. Right. And I've been in situations like that. I've been called in where companies have made bad decisions and then, you know, in the fire brought me into, hey, 
you know, we need you to help us get out of this. And uh, what were some of those situations like? How did you help them get out of it? And did they ultimately survive? Yes. So oh, I'll, I'll give you one, you know, uh, you know, and these are companies that are uh, case studies. Some some are actually giving me video testimonials mm-hmm. on the website. But in this one case, they made a bad decision on their own warehouse management software, put it in. It wasn't working. Uh, I knew the vendor and, you know, this vendor just was was one of the least professional vendors I had ever met. Mm-hmm. In fact, I invented a term uh, customer disservice because I've never saw anybody mistreat customers. And to me, I'm about customer obsession. I'm like Amazon, customer obsession. You're in the service industry and you're not focused on your customers. You're not going to be around long. So they had made a bad decision. Their customers are angry. So I helped them make the right decision, pick the right warehouse management software and help them transition this customer that was angry first and get them on the platform Mm. with EDI and exchange of information all well. So I didn't just satisfy my customer. I satisfied their customer. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. And so uh, from all of these learning experiences, how is this, you, you know, you started creating content, you're, you're, you're helping all of these companies, not just only with, with their own uh, decision making, but also with their customer decision making. Uh, how are you evolving that into your plans for, for your company in the future? Is it more content on the horizon um, or more special series planned? How are you approaching sort of this next year? It's, thank you. Um, it's already evolving. You know, one of the things I I really like uh, and to have the opportunity to do it here, not just to present, but moderate a great panel on sustainability, be with you on this podcast. I want to do more of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've done it not just individually. I've done it as uh, a member board of CSCMP. CSCMP, We put on great uh, webinars. And so I want to do more Mm -hmm. and utilize that position to achieve more by reaching more people. I'll give you an example of what, you know, already doing, you know, because some of the folks are part of New York City Economic Development Corp, uh, Port Authority, New York, New Jersey. So these are amazing people that can really help uh, in a large way. You can get a larger benefit by impacting more people, specifically in education and jobs. Jobs are a real hot button for me because there are People without jobs, and in our industry especially, jobs without people. And I'm like on a mission to help that. I actually have uh, something I'm really proud of. I sit on the board of the Urban Assembly School of Global Commerce. It's a high school in New York City devoted to supply chain. Hmm. And so really looking to build that platform to help these kids you know, achieve better opportunities in life, but, but as well as to fill the void in, in supply chain. I love that because there's so many, I, I think over the last year, we've really learned, I think the greater population, not not just us folks who are in the industry, but the rest of people that they learned when the toilet paper is not on the shelves at the grocery store, what's affecting that? And so people started uh, getting more of an interest into supply chain and how it works, where their products are coming from. And so I think we're also seeing um, what, what I heard coined as radical transparency. Um, certain brands now are letting you know their exact costs. I think Campbell's Soup w- w- was one of these examples of where they source their materials and and how much pricing that they include and, and, and how much an upcharge that they include. And there was a lot of fear initially that why would we release this kind of information? But then sales started to increase because people support the brand because they knew where their stuff was coming from. And I think we're going to be seeing uh, more of that across the board. And as supply chain becomes just a greater awareness based on programs like that, because it really is about the younger people and getting them involved and getting them enthusiastic about supply chain and where their stuff comes from. I I think that that's, you're you're doing a great job there. And I actually used, and it wasn't the intention, but you know, it just unfolded where some of the 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 uh, videos series that I was doing, I was utilizing. You know, I sat in on weekly sessions with the principal and the teachers of this school, and they were struggling. Hmm. You know, it's hard enough to teach these kids, and then they were virtual. So I said, why not teach them? You know, you're in the supply chain. Teach them about the vaccine. So they started to do this, and they started to utilize. And it's like, hey, there's a great example here, and the kids could connect to it. Right. They could understand what it meant and how to tie it back to supply chain. Hmm. So now I want to do that at a higher level with kids in community colleges, and that's the opportunity with CSCMP that's really 
uh, exciting to me to do that with community colleges in the metropolitan area, uh, Rutgers University, and to be able to really build that bridge to really help the students and help our industry. Love that. Always great insight. Uh, Sandy, where can people find more of your work and, and follow these great programs that, that, that you're a part of? Thanks so much. I mean, one way is just on LinkedIn. I, I really use that a lot to share you know, what I'm doing and, and networking from that perspective. My website is really a good reflection of who I am, what I do. And like I said, there's some great video testimonials. It's always better to hear what somebody else says than you talking sure. about yourself. <laughs> but that's advantage-ts. Uh, as in techsupport.com. And uh, my email address is svosk at advantage-ts.com and welcome any and all, you know, uh, feedback. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to list those in the show notes. So anybody who's interested in following more of your work, it'll I'll just make it super easy on them in order to check out your website, email you, follow you on LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and, you. And I can speak to you for hours. <laughs> this is phenomenal. <laughs> I know we just killed uh, uh, about 30 minutes and just easy. It's, it's an easy conversation. That's the benefit of being in person again. So so thank you again. And uh, I hope you I hope more people check out the work you're doing. because I think it's important. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to keep the theme of this show and really this month or really, I could say for uh, the last couple of years, we're going to keep that theme of technology and collaboration going, because if you have been paying any kind of attention over the last few years or even over the last year with all of the tech that's entered the logistics space, it can feel a little intimidating. But that's where folks like Sandy come into play. And it's also where folks like our next guest, Mike Mulqueen, comes into play. He is a partner over at JBF Consulting and he helps companies with their approach to technology and or when it comes especially to implementation. So WMS systems, TMS systems, these big financial commitments that companies have to make. And if you make a bad decision, it's going to affect you for quite a while. And it could actually put you out of business. And so Mike comes into the conversation and he shares the power of collaboration between shippers and carriers and brokers and how they can really use technology to their ultimate benefit, but then also avoid those pitfall decisions there. If you don't have your processes essentially mapped out, then you don't know how software fits into those processes. So he breaks down where a lot of companies get it right and where a lot of companies get it wrong when it comes to their technology investments. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Mike. So welcome into another episode of Cyberly Hits the Road. And right now I am joined by Mike Mulqueen. Did I say that right? You did. Awesome. Yes. First for me of JBF Consulting. He is the partner over at JBF Consulting. And uh, we're here at uh, Ignite hosted by PCS Software. How does it feel to be back at a conference again? It is great. Um, I think everybody is so fed up with Zoom meetings at this point <laughs> that actually being able to interact with people in real time, have Absolutely. a beer with them. You know, that that's it. it we mentioned this in, in, our, in our panel discussion that our space, the logistics space is just so much about relationship building right? And being able to to put a, a face to a name and, 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 and really interact with people more um, than just through the screen. I think I, I, I so I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good conference. I think a lot of, a lot of interesting insights. And definitely just the education that you get from it. I, I was just sitting, just came from, from lunch and those conversations that you have with seemingly perfect strangers yeah. and you all can relate to one thing. And that's uh, that the problems within the industry, the solutions that we're all working towards and, and, and how do we get there faster? And, and, and I wish I had microphones sitting at that round yeah. table and, and, in each of the lunches of every day of this conference, because you just can't replicate those on a Zoom meeting. You're, you're and, and the, the domain is so deep, which, which is at a cocktail party, we are the worst people to be sitting next to because we are, we're like so passionate. Oh, our truckload utilization is way up. And, you know, and, you know, everybody else just runs away at the party. But here it's like, oh, tell me how, why, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing around the driver attention? What are you doing around your assets? What are you doing around X? And it just, uh, it, it does lead to really interesting conversations. Just at lunch right now, um, I'd worked, while I was with Accenture, I'd worked with uh, the Postal Service was my primary client. And I was sitting right next to, just randomly, a guy that hauls mail for the U.S. Postal Service. And we talked about all the good, bad, and ugly associated with that business. So again, um, at a cocktail party, talking about HCRs and 
and uh, PNDCs and all the other acronyms that the U.S. Postal Service uses probably wouldn't go over too well. But here it was like, wow. <laughs> Finally, someone understands the yes. things that I'm talking about. <laughs> when you say OTR and, and, and from D.C. to D.C. And it's like, no, we're not talking about uh, Washington, D.C. <laughs> from D.C. to D.C. Yeah, right. that's not. Yeah. <laughs> Distribution center for those who, who yes. don't know. Um, so, so let's go into a little bit about your career. What's your background and, and, and how did it lead you to, to opening up JBF? Yeah, well, actually, I didn't open up. Um, I am a partner of JBF. Um, uh, JBF was founded back in 2003 by Brad Forrester. Um, I joined in 2015. I had known Brad from way back in the day. So my career started in 1989 with, um, it was a subsidiary called Roadnet Technologies that was acquired by UPS. Um, and UPS acquired them initially because they wanted technology back in 89 to help them route package cars. Well, the technology wasn't really good at routing package cars, but it was good at managing fleets that do wholesale distribution, food service, and all that. So RoadNet spun off this subsidiary company, uh, or spun up this subsidiary company. It ultimately became UPS Logistics Technologies. So anyway, I was, I was there for, for the beginning of my career and really primarily working in that private fleet space, kind of local, regional type of routing. And uh, so, so that kind of got me hooked. I think, you know, once you've worked in transportation for a couple of years, you either become hooked or you never want right. to see another truck again, right? Um, <laughs> So, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, I then moved over to a, a, a shipper-based uh, supply chain company called Manugistics. Uh, Manugistics ultimately was acquired by JDA, Blue Yonder, Panasonic, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's down that path right now. But um, uh, there I did kind of large-scale TMS implementations for shippers. So my clients were IBM and we were helping move main, you know, doing uh, optimization on moving their mainframes back in the day, right? Um, uh, Hershey Foods, um, uh, Perrier. So a bunch of relatively large truckload shippers. Uh, and, and again, it was just a really fascinating, the, the, the problems and the magnitude of the problems. Because a lot of these guys, 100, 200, 300, 500 million dollars of freight spend and everything was on paper back then. Oh. Again, think this is 19, I joined Manu Logistics in 1995. Right. So sense. this is the very beginning, kind of the, the beginning of, of, of complex optimization and decision support and things like that. So um, ultimately, I was there for about nine or 10 years. I went back to, to UPS. I went back to grad school um, and uh, I came out and I went to Accenture. Anyway, so but always doing the exact same thing, essentially, just different, um, different um, views into it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was a software guy for a long time. I was a consultant for a while. I was a user of the technology while I was at, I was director of transportation at CNS Wholesale Grocers for a bit. Um, so kind of from these different perspectives, you know, you start kind of learning, oh gosh, you know, this, these are the big, big problems and this is what we really need to solve. So then um, just prior to joining um, GBF, I was with Manhattan Associates. I was uh, head of the uh, product management for their TMS and their yard management systems. Um, and uh, back in 2015, I decided, you know, I, again, I had known Brad from the main logistics days mm -hmm. back in the late 90s, so I decided to join Brad uh, at JBF, and, and I get to do what I like to do, right? So I love technology, but doing actually implementation work is really hard. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I like to do kind of more strategy work, right? right? Which is way easier. I like to do PowerPoints. It's just like fun, right? right. Um, so I, I would, I, I, I had, own the, uh, the the blueprint practice and, and the blueprint practice is essentially so we work again are primarily we're working with shippers some 3pls but primarily it's shippers and they have problems right so they have transportation problems they may have problems with their private fleet or, or dedicated or what you know all, all of the things that your listeners are going to be intimately familiar with if, if they're a shipper and they come to us because oftentimes they either have no technology or they have obsolete technology or the technology is just not working the way they want it to. So we help them define kind of a long-term strategy. What are the capabilities that we need to be successful? Um, we help them identify vendors like PCS hmm. um, that we think are viable uh, candidates to actually really help and, and, and solve these problems. Uh, we lead them through the RFP process, and then we have a separate part of the JBF team that actually does the implementation. They do all the hard work. I get all the credit for right. the cool so stuff. Right, you, you, you get to do the fun stuff. I do the then... fun. Yeah, then I turn it over to them. Here you go. Um, but but it, it's good for us because it, it creates accountability mm -hmm. in my process, right? Because we need to make sure that ultimately what we're recommending and what we're having the shipper do um, is good for their business. And our team is there while we're doing this implementation. Um, so we have kind of, you know, we help you make the decision and we're going to make, we're going to be there to live, live with you as we go through the process. It's not like you just leave them out to dry as soon as you make the sale. And it's like, okay, this is what you do and bye next yeah. customer. And the implementation, even the best implementations are difficult. They are, 
Um, you know, we have integration, uh, tons of integration things that we need to do. There's tons of change management. There's there's all kinds of hurdles. Mm-hmm. There's gaps that we did not anticipate happening. So we're there to to kind of hold your hand. Some some um, some leaders are very well versed in enterprise implementations, and some are not, and they don't understand the ups and downs of these implementations. So we're a calming force during that, and uh, so we help you. Uh, live up to the expectations of my desired and state blueprinting practice as as you go about the implementation. And so you, you're here, and obviously you're here to talk about technology and, and a few other hot button issues. Uh, with your experience in technology, especially on the strategy side, where do you think that most companies are are messing up as far as you know looking at the market and making that decision on what they're actually going to purchase that fits well into their 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 day to day business operations? Yeah, it's well. First off, I, I think that some of the organizations mess up by not doing their initial homework and understanding what their desired end state is. Mm. What are the capabilities that we truly need? And this oftentimes requires alignment with the C-suite. How are we going to grow the business? Are we going to grow internationally? Which then has implications for my technology. My my technology needs to work in Europe or LATAM or whatever those growth areas are going to be. I'm going to now go and and generate a B2C uh, sales channel that I never had before. Okay, that now has last mile. It may have courier or parcel implications. So I think that kind of really understanding what you really, really need before you go out to market. Mm. Too many, you know, and, and I don't like to, to slam it because Gartner does some fantastic work, right? And, and, sure. and we, we rely on the Gartner MQ just like everybody else does. But simply relying on the MQ and grabbing somebody in the upper right quadrant and saying, well, they're going to be our TMS without really understanding what that TMS is good at. Because mm. we have one magic quadrant that is going to be used for DuPont, for Exxon, for Cargill, for Hershey, for Cisco Food. I mean, it's these are completely different companies, completely different models, completely different things that they care about. And one chart, it does not do justice to all the the, the nuances of the industry verticals and, and, and what we need to be able to accomplish. Um, so I think that that probably is, is the biggest thing that, that I see that um, kind of over-reliance on analysts without mm. without putting in the hard work and the due diligence to truly understand what you need. And, and that's when a situation that maybe a company has, has, hasn't done their due diligence and then they go through and they waste a ton of time and they probably waste a ton of time or money as well. And then it leads to a situation where they have to spend more money and more time to even rectify the situation. That, that, that I couldn't have said it better. I mean, that, and that's the problem, right? So, and oftentimes, um, JBF is brought in, you know, we like to be brought in at the front end. Hmm. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're brought in to clean up the mess. Hmm. And oftentimes the mess is we picked the wrong, the, the company picked the wrong software. And ripping out that, again, a shipper-based TMS system is extremely sticky, right? And it's sticky because of all the integrations that you need to build, um, all of the training that you need. It touches just so many different pieces. It touches your yard. It touches your warehouse management system. It's integrated to your ERP. If you have a fleet, it's touching your, all these different pieces. It is super hard to rip out a bad decision, hmm. right? Especially you're, you made that commitment, and it's hard technically. It's hard from a personnel perspective, and it's hard politically because somebody signed a big check, somebody had a business case and said, "And we think we should use vendor X, Y, Z, and this is why." And when it doesn't work, hmm. um, there's a lot of egg on people's faces, that, and and that egg can be almost career-ending if, if not handled well. With a lot, of, a, a big theme from this week is is the power of collaboration. And, and you're mentioning the, this this shipper software that that has a lot of different integration capabilities. Are are there instances where you're seeing better collaboration with some of the more specialized vendors that then integrate into the main TMS? Or are, are, are there is there still a long way to go? No, that 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 is, and and it's and it's it is a mindset, right? It's a mindset change that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years or so. So when I was first product manager of the TMS system, I tried to be everything to everybody, having every module. And if you think about transportation, right? So you have, what are the different sub-processes? You have procurement, you have potentially what-if modeling, you have inbound planning, you have the planning of the outbound and the STO, the, 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 the internal transfers, you have freight settlement, you have visibility and exception management, you have reporting, you have all of these different components. And trying to be good at every one of those components was a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. You could not. And, and then we would run into, you know, just like these spot vendors. And they were passionate about visibility or they were passionate about dispatch or fleet routing in the secondary network. Whatever it would be, they were good at it. They were better than us at it. And so our, our sales pitches, well, we have, we, you know, we may not have the, the depth, but we have the breadth and it's going to be easier to enter, blah, blah, blah. It's baloney. 
Um, so ultimately, I think I think the mindset in the last maybe five, six, seven years or so has been to build out a best-in-class logistics ecosystem. Mm. Let's find a best-in-class YMS provider, right? PCS has a YMS, and there's some other YMSs out there as well. Um, let's find a best-in-class one, as opposed to somebody that dabbles in it as a hobby. And a lot of the suite providers dabble in, in YMS, or they dabble in fleet. A lot of the, the big-name uh, TMS guys that um, your, your listeners may, may know and use are horrible at doing last-mile fleet, right? They're, they're just not good at that. They don't have a good dispatching. They don't have integration to the ELD. Um, so those are the pieces now. We've seen this kind of mindset, and I talk with, you know, I, I, we, we know everybody in the, in the TMS space, and we've been talking with these guys, and this interoperability of applications is becoming um, kind of a, a must-have. Hmm. We, you know, we know that TMS XYZ just does not have the ability to do complex routing in a grocery environment, right? But there's providers out there that do it really, really well. So I have my backbone concept, which would be the backbone TMS provider. And then I have this satellite of little applications that would sit around, fleet maintenance, dispatch, routing, payment, visibility, exception management, all of that stuff that kind of will sit. Um, so that is, I, I think that that has been a key mindset change where focus on what you're really, really good at and build the interoperability with key partners hmm. that, that build out that solution. And, and that's one of the things we do like is don't rely on system integrators to build out that capability. If you are Manhattan, work with Project 44 or 4Kites or um, McLeod or whomever it's going to be that is really, really good at a specific function and then bundle together a platform that does all of the necessary capabilities that our shippers are looking for. It almost sounds like, uh, have you ever seen Minority Report where Tom Hanks, or not Tom Hanks, um, but Tom Cruise has the gloves on and he's pulling together all of these different scenes in order to to, to figure out what happened right. with the crime. That's what it feels like <laughs> with a lot of these different tools is that you're just yeah. trying to piece together the things that are going to make the most sense and and, and be able to to have the company be able to, to run efficiently yeah. um, like they envision. Because one of my biggest issues with a lot of these uh, TMSs out there is that they they say they do marketing. I, I you know I come from the marketing world and and they say oh well we have a CRM or we have an email marketing tool and it's like yeah. no you don't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's very limited at yeah. best and right. and I would I wish that these platforms would really uh, start, start to really hone in on on what are your most profitable right. carriers or your your most profitable lanes uh, uh your, your customers which ones yeah. are, are are treating your drivers the best like you know things like that 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 could really help out on the marketing side of things but i feel like marketing yeah. is almost just uh it's it's swan songs playing the tiny uh violin off to the side yeah <laughs> i mean it, it's it's you know and i like the concept that you know people are saying this more stay in your lane hmm. you you know these these organizations are they built capabilities and they've been successful because they they stayed in their lane and they were really really good at it and if peripheral capabilities come along and people are really passionate about a specific area um crm within within a, a carrier tms um let them do that and 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 then build that into your capabilities right. Um, but don't try to build everything. You don't have enough developers. You do not have probably, oftentimes we didn't have the level of subject matter expertise within our development organizations to build out a really good procurement solution, right? Or whatever it would be. So, um, yeah, so, so that I, I think is, um, uh, it's, it's a nice mind shift, paradigm shift mm -hmm. from, a, from a vendor perspective to say, okay, guys, we are not going to be everything to everybody. We are going to partner with the best in class and we're going to come with a logistics platform, pre-integrated, now, again, we're not there yet for a lot of the capabilities. There's a lot of work for system integrators. We still, you know, on the implementation side, we're essentially, that's a lot of our work is system integration. Mm. Um, there's a lot of work to do there, but I think that that is um, that interoperability. And that was a big theme of this conference. Um, I think that that was a spot on uh, sentiment. Now, for, for one of your, your panels that you, you had, it was called Tomorrow is Today, the Rapid Acceleration of Tech Innovation for Logistics and Staying, power, staying Relevant in a Changing Industry. What were some of the, uh, the the key takeaways from the the panel that you thought were insightful that you're going to yeah, use yeah, in, in yeah. the future? Um, you know, one of the things, you know, being a consultant, um, I am very when I hear buzzwords without any without any meat behind them, mm -hmm. and and just uh, I'm a cynical, dubious Irishman, right? I I, I do not <laughs> like any of that stuff, right? Um, but when I hear that stuff, <clears throat> I roll my eyes. Mm -hmm. And in this case here, we had, you know, there was two providers on there. Um, first of all, PCS was involved um, and the new CTO of PCS, which, you know, he was fabulous. And then um, somebody from Create AI, uh, a company that AI is their, like, in their name, right? 
And, and they laid out business cases that I thought were really compelling around machine learning. Um, and again, we, we keep hearing from salespeople about machine, oh, we incorporate machine learning and MLAI and blah, 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 blah. Um, well, okay, give me a use case. These guys actually gave good use cases, right? They really gave some really insightful things. And, and one of the things I, I, I took away from it, it was really incumbent upon the solution providers to develop that MLAI capability almost hidden from the user. Right. I have no idea how YouTube knows what video I want to watch mm. next, but it does a pretty damn good job of guessing. Right. Right. Well, real quick. What was the MLAI? How... Machine learning, artificial intelligence. Ah, gotcha. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay. It's been such a buzzword. <laughs> right. I mean, but, you hear AI, but I, that, that was a new one for me, a new acronym that I, that I yeah. learned today. So uh, if, if in, in the hierarchy, you, you kind of start off with artificial intelligence and then MLS, it, ML is, is kind of specific um, very specific um, subcomponents hmm. of AI where you're solving a very, very, uh, very specific problem. Like what video do I want to watch next, right? And again, it's looking at history, but then it's looking at potentially inputs in transportation from other sources. So we talked about how ML could be used, machine learning could be used um, for routing by taking into account things that we never historically have taken into account. You know, we can look at history and how long it actually takes to drive from point A to point B or how long it actually takes to make a delivery at, at, the, at the Home Depot. Um, so we can, we can, we can do things like that, but, um, there were interesting use cases that, that involved weather, that, that involved rates, right? The, the rates are, are constantly changing. Do I use my fleet or do I use a four hire carrier? And the ability to use both internal historical information as well as external information to help drive our decision-making process. All of a sudden I started getting use cases that were real. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, I, I brought up, don't make your customers do this. Don't expect your customers to have a data science team. You guys as software vendors, as the technologists out there, as the guys with the PhDs from, from Caltech, you guys need to figure out how to do this and just embed this in the logic. Why don't you think that education is more of a priority for some of these companies? I, I would think that that should be at the forefront of, of your, your software offering. And it seems like there, there's, there's a lot of webinars, but I don't know that there's a lot of uh, uh, putting the, the information in digestible chunks. Uh, say like on, yeah. on social media, for example, that is sort of a new concept for, for people to put videos out on social yeah. media. The education seems to be lacking. I think, I think you're right. Um, in all levels, including just basic application education. I was talking with, again, at lunchtime today, I was talking with, with the shipper and um, they were just really just trying to generate reports. Hmm. Help me generate reports. Um, and, and, and the software vendor, after he said four meetings, they finally said, we don't really have a manual. Um, you can have, you can pay for some training that we'll do. So again, th this company was using the training and, and the ignorance of their customer base. And I, I don't use that in a pejorative mean, but the ignorance of their, of, of their customer base to drive revenue for their training group, which I thought was, was horrible. Right. Mm -hmm. So I see, you know, some of the legacy guys, the guys that have been around 20 years or whatever, it was around feature function. It wasn't around usability. It wasn't around getting the most out of the application. It was, shame on me, when I was a product manager, I was around check marks. When I get an RFP, I want to make sure that I can check every one of those, yes, I can do this, right? Um, I didn't care about usability. Um, I didn't really care necessarily about the depth of the capability. I just wanted to, the last thing I wanted to do was say no to something because right. that's what everybody's going to focus on. So I think that the next generation you know, again, a lot of money's going into software right now, logistics tech software. Um, McKinsey just did a study comparing 2019 to 2014 in terms of VC money, 17 to one. Wow. We were spending 17, or VCs are, are funding 17 times more than they were just in 2014. So with all of that money, we are now getting really nice UIs. They really, and, and then also from, from a training perspective, I think these companies are just, they're used to YouTube. They're used to YouTube as a means to not just market, but also to perform training, all those different pieces. And I think that things will get better along those lines as, you know, the guys my age, they don't, they don't like to do podcasts. <laughs> um, the guys my age, um, as we die out or whatever we do, um, uh, and the younger generation, I think that the, the social media platforms, the training, all of that content will now be readily available online. Well, well, speaking of content, you, you guys actually put together a, a really great list of, of some of the top shows in supply chain and logistics. And, and you know, speaking of, of the platforms that have risen over the last sort of, I guess, probably two years, but definitely over the last year since COVID, yeah. um, what, what was the motivation to put together that list? It was education, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we, it, it feels like oftentimes, especially before all these podcasts, information was, um, you had to really look for it. 
right? Or come they, to a conference. Well, come to a conference. And, and again, you, you know, I, I came to this conference and there's three things happening at every time. I'm missing two of them. And yes. they were like great ones, right? <laughs> right. So, um, but but it, it was really, really around trying to, to get people, to, everybody on the same page. You know, we, we speak a certain way. We have a certain point of view. And I think oftentimes our point of view is really probably better represented by you guys mm -hmm. than it is by us. You know, we, we immediately go into the details and whatever. But you guys... Uh, have a bigger audience. You guys are are talking. You're setting the discussion, mm -hmm. and and we like that discussion that's happening. We think it benefits our business, so that's why we put together that top that that top list, because um, we want we want educated, sophisticated, especially on the shipper side. We we want people to be really sophisticated. I don't want people to fall for mm -hmm. um, all all the stuff that's out there. You know, we we know Silicon Valley. We know all the money that's coming in, and we know the the fake it until you make it concepts, right? So we want really sophisticated people. We want people that are can 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 listen to the, the podcasts, understand what's going on, and um, and make the right decisions mm -hmm. for their business. And now switching gears a little bit to, to more of you and, and and your personal outlook and, and, and perception for for the next year. What, what's something that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago? Oh gosh, um, that's I wasn't prepared for that question. Oh, no. What am I thinking about today <laughs> that I wasn't thinking about 12 months ago? I think collaboration ago? is probably the bigger one for me from, from this week. Collaboration and education yeah. are, are some of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, and because ultimately, you know, again, we, we kind of get into the weeds a little bit. And, and as we're building out these ecosystems, one of the big areas that we've run into is um, single source of truth um, and, and a layer that sits on top of the ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? So let's say I have my, again, shipper-based system, a transportation management system. I have all those satellite applications that are sitting around it. I may have a, a, an enterprise data warehouse, but if I'm really trying to get a single view, a single dashboard look into what's happening with my transportation operations, as well as my distribution operations and my yard operations, and perhaps an SNOP process, I need to have something that sits on top. And as I go out and I do my desired end state work, I can build all the blocks but that is the piece that is missing. It, it is the piece that synthesizes all the data, normalizes all the data, puts it into, into a single view for my users. Um, that is the piece that I've been surprised by the market that it doesn't have a better answer for right now. There are a couple vendors that I think that I have some hope for, mm. um, but but that is probably the the, the biggest disappointment. I, th I thought that some of the control tower type of things that, that some of the software companies are talking about were more mature than they are, but they're not. So, um, so that that is that's certainly a big piece, and 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 the the, the big data stuff. And again, I, I've I've been a proponent of big. I, I love data, right? Um, even though I, I hate doing implementation, I like I like playing <laughs> with data. I like I like coming up with numbers and business cases. Um, but that data and, and and clean data and data that I can find insights from um, that continues to be a struggle. The TMS providers, um, the PCS, potentially excluded from this. So, um, given they they pay for my coffee. Um, <laughs> Are horrible at, mm. at, at reporting and analytics, and and we need to do a better job of that. But I, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head because there, we there's so much data, but you can only do so much with it. What what's that next step that you can take to put it in context for for folks who don't have time to yeah. sit through and and try to figure out what their analytics reports are are saying? It's yeah. it's just help people understand the data and what business steps to take after they get the data. Data by itself is useless. I mean, you, you need to be able to find actionable insights from the data. Mm. And first off, you need to be able to have a data source that you can trust, which is, it seems so easy. It seems so simple. But I go back, I, I'm working with another client right now, and they just gave me data. I can't use that data. I have, I'm going to have to spend weeks cleaning this data up to come up with real insights. Otherwise, my insights that I'm going to provide are completely wrong. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, it is a huge problem. Um, and, and it's, gosh, it's been a problem ever since I started. Why can't we fix this problem? And it, it, it's easier said than done. But uh, it really is, especially in the, in, in the web marketing analytics world, where it's something like 43% of all internet traffic is bot related. And so when I get handed a bunch of a analytic reports, I'm like, I can't do anything with this because yeah. it's all bad data. Right. At least you know it. See, I, right. and, 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 that, and that's a value in it just of itself. Otherwise, you're going to go down some rabbit hole and spend millions of dollars. And, right. Well, never mind. A bunch of bots from Romania. Right. <laughs> exactly. They, they just uh, affected your entire marketing yeah. campaign. And now yeah. uh, you can't do anything with it. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well uh, for, for the listeners, where can, uh, what, what do you have next on the horizon? Anything you want to share with us or, or where can people follow more of your work? Um, well, we, uh, uh, we are relatively active, not nearly as active as you, but and, or as active as you probably should be on LinkedIn. 
Um, but we do a, a lot there, so we'd, uh, uh, we, we'd love for you to uh, follow JBF Consulting. Um, that would be fabulous. We have a, a website that has our use cases. But again, our, our, our main goal here is to align shippers with the vast array of technology choices that are out there right now. So if there are any shippers in your market or 3PLs that are listening and, and they're just they're a little bit overwhelmed because right now there's just a huge proliferation of technology providers out there funded by Silicon Valley. And, and a lot of them are not real. I, I shouldn't say they're not real, but there's three guys, you know, in, in, in the basement, um, which, which is fine. That's how, that's how you build. That's how you can start a company. Um, but it, it is super confusing right now. So if you feel kind of overwhelmed by the techno, the, the technology, the freight technology space, and you're looking for a little bit of guidance, even even just you know we we do kind of free 30 minute phone calls mm. with with organizations as well. Um, go to the JBF uh, slash consulting dot com website, schedule something, and we'd be glad to talk to you. Awesome, Mikey. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great perspective. Appreciate it.